Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Psalm 91, that we sang earlier, is a psalm about divine protection. The psalm was of great comfort to uh, me, at least early on in 2020. Perhaps you found comfort in it too. Just listen to these words again. Surely God shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. You shall not be afraid of the pestilence that walks in darkness nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Of course, the plague or the pestilence that's being referred to is not necessarily a physical virus like covid Although it could be that, and in times of sickness, we are to think of God's protection. Rather, the psalm is using the picture of a plague, a a sickness that covers the world, something that would have been an everyday occurrence for the ancient world, and and now this uh, familiar-to-us phenomenon. The psalm is using that as a picture of something else that covers and fills the world. Demons. You know, it's common in our secular age to hear someone talk about their personal demons. You know, and they use that, that spiritual term in a secular way as a, as a negative thing, but the way it's often used is, is to relieve guilt, right? If I have my personal demons, then, well, it's not me. It's not my fault. And if it's not me, then I am just, I, I'm innocent, Demon talk is used as a way to justify actions. But demons are real, and ultimately that's exactly what they want. They they want you to justify yourself. They want you to look for your help, your salvation in anything other than God. And especially they want you to look and find it in yourself. This psalm then covers the sustained protection that God provides from several sorts of demons. The snare of the fowler, the noonday devil, the thing that prowls in the darkness, the evil that will not come near us, the plague that shall not come near your dwelling, the lion and the cobra that we will step on, the young lion and the serpent, or literally in Hebrew, the dragon that we will trample underfoot. Psalm 91 is all about demons. And it's the only psalm, the only word of God that's actually quoted by the devil. The devil quotes it, you heard it in Matthew 4 in his temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And it makes sense because this psalm is, is about him and the demons. No other psalm is more, uh, has more about the demons than this psalm. And of course, no one is more vain and self-conceited than the devil. So of course he's going to use this psalm. 
And that's what the devil's main tactic is as well, to get you and I to turn inward, to focus on ourselves. Now, there's two times of day highlighted in this psalm when the devil attacks. The night and the noon day. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Night and day. Now, it's a bit easier to conceptualize the demons that, that tempt us in the middle of the night, uh, more so in the daytime. Right? You know the feeling when you lay awake at night in sleeplessness, as St. Paul said in our epistle lesson. You're unable to sleep because of your failings, your sins, your fears, and your worries of the day that are suddenly coming into your mind. This is an attack of the devil and his demons. The old evil foe wants you to lay awake at night and think only of your sins or the sins of others. And he wants you to stay in the darkness, thinking only of yourself and nothing of Christ. And as deadly as this dark pestilence is at night, there is an equal destruction that lays waste at noonday a fogginess, another darkness that prevents you from enjoying God's blessings. The ancient church fathers understood this noonday devil in Psalm 91 as a, a special type of temptation uh, and spiritual weariness and, deject, uh, and dejection called acedia or acadia. Uh, sloth is perhaps a more common term today, and yeah, you can think of the, of the slow-moving animal of the same name because sloth uh, is derived from the word slough or, or slow, uh, meaning a swamp, a, a muddy and miry place. And so it's, it's where and when in your life things uh, get bogged down, slowed up, stuck, and begin to sink. Now, two years ago, I, I heard an excellent essay on uh, acedia given by a, a Lutheran pastor named uh, uh, Jason Broughton. And he defines acedia as whatever brings one to inaction on the things that they ought at that moment be acting upon. He says, sloth then is boredom and apathy. It is melancholy and depression. It is laziness, indolence, and inertia. It is all of these things, and yet it is none of these things exclusively. To use a medical analogy, sloth is the disease all the specific differences are the symptoms. Or perhaps another medical analogy brings greater, greater clarity. Like autism, sloth is a spectrum. Having one of these symptoms places you on the sloth spectrum, either to a lesser or greater degree. Sloth, or acedia, teaches us to avoid pain and suffering. It, it teaches us to revolt against discipline. And so with the threat of pain and suffering and the death that lurks behind both of these things, we respond in one of two natural ways, either by distraction or by indifference. These two reactions, responses, are the flight of the fight or flight psychological response. We flee the oncoming pain, we avoid the suffering. Acedia is the temptation of Satan in the wilderness. 
tempting our Lord to find another way. Jesus, you shouldn't have to suffer like this. Command these stones uh, to become bread. And if the devil tempts our Lord in this way, you can be sure he will do the same to you and to I. So the effect is that at noonday, in the middle of the day, when we should be doing what our vocations require of us, we, we busy ourselves, we do things that distract us from the difficult things our vocations require, or we become indifferent. This is where the devil tries to get us to have a, a, a meh attitude, right, to only care about some things. Love is the language of the holy angels. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love bears all things, love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. But the demons, these fallen angels, want you merely to believe, uh, to bear some things, to believe some things, to hope in some things, and to endure some things. It's not an indifference to everything, but it is to some things. And because it's an indifference towards some things, it's really an indifference then towards enjoyment of everything that God has given us because we only care about some things God has given us. The devil tempts you at night in the middle of the darkness with worry, fear, and guilt. The devil tempts you at day, at noonday, with acedia. He wants you to forget God's mercy. He wants you to despair of God's mercy, to not invoke it, to not call out to God in trouble. Well, how to overcome acedia? Well, first of all, we need to discipline ourselves before the trial comes. We need to fast from things that are not good from us, and sometimes we even need to fast from things that are good for us, so that we are prepared when the trial comes. Because it never happens that we rise to the occasion like our grade school coaches once told us. Rather, we sink to the level of our training. Perseverance is the counteracting virtue to sloth. But we also need to remember that if we try to go against the devil on our own, with our own perseverance and our own might, well, as Luther says, on earth is not his equal. With might of ours cannot be done, Soon were our loss affected. If you have this book with you, uh, take a look through it with me. I know not every one of you has this, but take a look with this. Take a look. Uh, a Mighty Fortress, like I mentioned earlier, is a paraphrase of Psalm 46, but uh, it, it's Luther's commentary really on his temptation uh, of the devil. And so there's themes in here from Psalm 91 and Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. The devil wants us to get alone. That's his, that's his goal. He wants to get us alone just like he got Eve on her own uh, or as Jesus goes, or as, as Satan goes to Jesus while he's in training, as he's fasting alone in the wilderness. The devil wants me to believe, he wants to make me believe that I am better off on my own so that I leave the fellowship of the church. But as powerful as the demons and uh, the devil is, they're no match for the valiant one. Look at this, this page with the forces of, of the demons attacking, coming upon Christ's church. And where do they flee? They flee for refuge in the sanctuary where Christ is. So they're no match for the valiant one. 
this next page here, the valiant one is Jesus, but he's pictured as the infant Jesus. Even the infant Christ defeats the devil. Even the baby Jesus defeats the devil. And he's in front of the church, defending the church at all times. Now the verse continues, ask ye, who is this? Jesus Christ, it is of Sabaoth, Lord. Now the word Sabaoth is pictured here very nicely. Uh, the word Sabaoth means uh, an army, the host uh, of hosts, the army of armies, the army of the angels. And where is the army of the angels? They're standing guard in front of the church. They will not let the forces of evil come to Christ's church. And there's none other God. He holds the field forever. As Psalm 91 says, Nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. This is what Satan quoted in his temptation of Jesus. But in so doing, when Satan quotes the Bible... When Satan quotes this psalm, well, Satan made a grave tactical error. In his hubris and conceit, the devil could see no one but himself and the demons in this psalm. He couldn't see Jesus. But the psalm continues, You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, or the dragon, you shall trample underfoot. Well, the devil is the lion, the great serpent, the dragon, the same serpent or dragon that tempted Eve, but as God promised back then in the Garden of Eden, the seed of the woman, Jesus, born from the woman of Virgin Mary, he would crush the devil's head. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, the dragon you shall trample underfoot. Satan's quoting of Scripture, Psalm 91, 11, just strengthened Jesus by reminding Jesus the words and promise of Scripture in Psalm 91, 13. Satan's tactical error lost him the battlefield. As Luther says here, one little word shall fell him. So by his fasting and temptation in the wilderness, the desert, Jesus then brings you out of the desert to a plain where he feeds you, multiplying you, or multiplying the loaves of his good gifts and spirit. The lightest page uh, in the book here, Jesus on the plain. You think of the feeding of the 5,000 that we'll hear in a couple of weeks in Lent. Jesus takes us to the plain where he feeds us not with five loaves and two fish, but with his body and blood that he multiplies for us. And it's through that, you know, the devils are eager to devour, devour you. But they shall not overpower you because you, well, you have a different meal. You feast on Christ. He's by your side upon the plain, multiplying the loaves for you. And finally, when the demons and the devils have brought you to your darkest moments, the moment before your death, Jesus and his holy angels are there to make even that grim darkness into a gateway to eternal life. And take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife, though these all be gone. Our victory has been won. The kingdom, ours remaineth. The Bible says the angels carry us 
to Abraham's side in heaven. Like a grand funeral procession, they come and they carry us home. And the demons have no power over us. Well, Psalm 91 ends a promise to Jesus who at the end of his temptation is strengthened and ministered to by the holy angels. And likewise then, Psalm 91 becomes a promise for you. Because a promise for you, for when you are tempted with the terror at night or the destruction at noonday, God says to you, you shall call upon me and I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and honor you. With long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.